everyone, this is Shannon Abel. I'm the media marketing specialist at Blue Acorn ICI and host of The Funnel, an e-commerce podcast. Each episode, I interview e-commerce experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter most to brand and retail professionals. Today, we have with us Lindsay Murray, VP of Marketing Services at Blue Acorn ICI. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Shannon. Welcome. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, your e-commerce experience? Sure. Um, so I've been um, in e-commerce marketing now for about 11 years. Prior to that, I was at an agency managing paid search. So I have a ton of paid search experience, but um, really my, my core love is e-commerce for brands and digital marketing around that. Great. So today we're going to be talking about e-commerce marketing agency which I think most people don't really realize that it's different than what a brand marketing agency would be. So just to start off with, Lindsay, what's the difference between a brand marketing agency and an e-commerce marketing agency? Sure, and that's a really great point, Shannon. Um, A lot of people don't know that there's a difference or even that there are two different types of agencies. Um, So your traditional brand marketing agency that's a digital agency, a lot of times it's doing your brand building. Um, They're going to be looking at... Uh, the number of eyes that are on your brand. Um, They're going to be making sure that you have engagement with um, and visibility in front of customers or prospective customers. Um, And they're following all your brand guidelines, really helping to tell your brand story. Um, And we look at that more as brand building versus more of the performance side and the actual um, e-commerce conversion aspect. So to put it simply, it'd be more brand agency would be more about, say, impressions and reach versus yep. the e-commerce one would be more about conversions. and Exactly. Okay. Yep. So an e-commerce agency, although we're happy to help support the brand impressions and help support that brand voice and make sure that we're keeping that same look and feel across things, um, the tactics that we're going to use and the call to actions are really going to be extremely focused on the end goal of driving a conversion on the e-commerce store. And how do even you or how do other e-commerce marketing agencies work with the brand agency? Because obviously they're not substituting the brand agency. Exactly. Nope. Um, Not only are we not substituting a brand agency, we always recommend that clients are working with a brand agency regardless. And a lot of times a question will come up, why can't we just work with our brand agency to drive e-commerce traffic and and work on our e-commerce marketing strategy? And the simple answer is that they're looking at different KPIs. They're fantastic at what they do. And, you know, what we do as e-commerce agency specialists are really not as focused on that. It's, it's definitely a specialty. And we work very closely with brand agencies um, to make sure that we're leveraging the right brand guidelines, content that's been created. Why have a client, for example, pay twice to create certain brand assets and things? A lot of times we'll just leverage what the brand agency has. um, And then also the customers or prospects are getting a really consistent look and feel regardless of the touch point or the channel that they're interacting with. So they really shouldn't see or notice a difference between um, campaigns we're executing versus a brand agency. Um, The customer should really see uh, no difference there. And it's really going to be things like the call to actions and KPIs. 
when you're speaking to brands about an e-commerce marketing agency, are there a lot of like common questions that they have that come up, um, whether it's trying to understand the difference or, yep. I mean, sure, you answer just a lot of them, but. Yeah, um, there's a lot of questions around why they need us or why they need an e-commerce agency. And, you know, I know I just touched upon a couple examples, but another great example is with e-commerce marketing, product feeds, for example, are super, super common and um, being able to be being able to be shown on Google Shopping or dynamic retargeting ads, whether it be in Google or Facebook or Instagram. Product feeds are something that your traditional digital agencies uh, really don't work with, and there's a lot of nuances to it. Um, understanding how those are set up and how to best optimize those, and that's something that um, we do all day, every day, and I think is something that really would set us apart from a traditional digital agency where if you are running e-commerce specific ads and campaigns to drive traffic and conversion there, you really need someone who is going to understand the nuances to e-commerce and product data. Can you talk a little bit more about like what product feeds are and how that works with like a Google or Instagram type ads? Sure. So product feeds are essentially um, very similar to your product catalog. It has a lot of product catalog data in it. The actual templates and how they're uh, set up can be pretty similar across across channels. So I think Google was one of the first ones back in the day with Google Base, um, which is now Google Shopping. Once the more comparison shopping engines uh, started phasing out a little bit and uh, like Facebook, for example, has really just followed the Google feed specifications, which has made it pretty nice and easy to leverage across multiple channels. But essentially, it's comprised of your product catalog data, so um, your product ID, a link to your product page, product image, title, description, all of that. Um, certain categories require additional labels um, if it's for apparel, for example, or targeted or uh, created for uh, children versus adults and men and women. So there are some nuances there, um, but for the most part, it's going to be a very similar look and feel to your product catalog from your e-commerce site. Cool. And what are some of the KPIs that e-commerce marketing agencies focus on? Sure. So that's uh, probably one of the biggest differences and also um, one of the biggest questions that we get. So we're typically looking at for, and of course, we always want to chat with the brand and determine what their goals are. But um, nine times out of 10, the goals that we're really gonna be focusing on and optimizing towards are going to be conversion rate and actual number of conversions and revenue. And most importantly from a marketing side is gonna be that return on ad spend. So making sure that the ads that we're getting in front of customers are A, converting, um, B, that it's a profitable conversion so that if we're spending you know, $10 to acquire that customer and they're placing an order, we hope that it's more than $10 uh, so that they end up with a positive return on ad spend. So the majority of KPIs we're looking at are really going to be after the customer has gotten to the site and really from that conversion or the shopping journey onto the conversion versus again, just comparing back to the digital traditional digital agency a lot of times it's going to be more of the impressions and engagement with the ad. So that's uh, one of the key differences there. If you do notice, even before they hit the e-commerce site, that 
saying I got a ton of impressions but doesn't have a high click-through rate, does that do you go in and make adjustments to... Absolutely. No, that's a perfect example. You know, like I said, we're happy. We're always trying to help support any brand initiatives, but at the end of the day, we're not doing our job properly if you're just getting a ton of impressions um, because those, those impressions are not going to align with and support the goals of the e-commerce specific digital campaigns. What makes a campaign successful in your eyes from like the e-commerce perspective? Um, definitely, uh, again, looking at those conversion numbers. So making sure that we are optimizing to whatever the budget is and getting the most value out of that campaign. So whatever the budget for a particular campaign is, um, if we're seeing that it is converting really well, like what can we tweak to help it convert at even a slightly lower cost so that we can squeeze a few more conversions out of that existing budget. Or on the other hand, if it is converting really well um, at a very profitable return on ad spend, that would be the time to work with the client to see if there's opportunity for additional ad spend um, so that we can continue broadening that. Are the tools you're using to track these campaigns and the metrics and the conversion rates, things like that, are those going to be different tools than the brand agency would use? From a tool set perspective, um, I'm sure there's some differences. Some of the actual channels we're using may be a little bit different too or how we're using them. Um, so for example, the specific um, channels that we don't recommend for every single brand, but where we typically see brands doing the best for e-commerce is around email marketing, of course, paid search, paid social, affiliate marketing, and SEO. And some of the main differentiators there, even though a lot of digital agencies will leverage those channels as well, again, is going to be more of um, the copy and the call to action. We're going to be using shop now and get offer or those types of call to actions versus a learn more mm -hmm. or, and also even ad units, for example, the different, uh, different ad templates and things. So in paid social, for example, there's a lot of really cool ad units, um, especially on Facebook or Instagram, that are super engaging for brands that want to kind of show their catalog or really show uh, lifestyle imagery and also feature products. So your traditional digital agency may not have the expertise in those particular types of templates or ad units and the nuances to those or the metrics associated with those. But that's something that we really um, pride ourselves in is making sure that we're using the right call to actions, the right templates, and also the right targets for, for those types mm -hmm. of campaigns. Do you do a lot of A-B testing with the messaging? And Definitely, things like that? yep. Even before A-B testing, I mean, there's like with a lot of digital agencies too, making sure that we have um, segmentation for a lot of the campaigns and making sure that if, for example, we are marketing to brand new customers for customer acquisition versus existing customers. We're going to have different content and you know different call to actions for those customers to begin with. But then, even a step further, we're always going to be rotating you know a couple mm -hmm. different ad copies and/or images um, to make sure that we're constantly testing and improving upon the conversion rate there. Are there certain kinds of call to actions or messaging that you find work across most brands or does it is it really dependent on that target or that brand that some just work better than others? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think uh, a lot of the call to actions are are pretty similar across brands. Um, what we do notice the, mo 
probably more so would be the networks that perform better for some brands than others. And that would really, a lot of times, depend on their target customer. Um, so for example, if we have a brand with kind of a younger audience that has like really cool imagery and really cool lifestyle images, they may do awesome on Instagram because it's super visual and engaging. But then we may have other, even if they are um, B2C instead of B2B, if the demographic is more on the older side or even, again, if it's, even if it is the right target, but they don't have much from a imagery perspective or um, creative perspective, that's not really going to go that far on Instagram. So we'll try to leverage um, some different networks that work best. And we're constantly testing across platforms as well. Mm -hmm. Cool. So do you have any like specific stories you could tell us about different clients you've worked with? Um, sure. So actually, uh, one of my favorite stories is around a marketing client that we currently have at Blue Acorn ICI. Uh, they're called Michelle Design Works. And they're a home decor and beauty brand, so hand lotion, soaps, home fragrance, things like that. And we actually just started working with them back in, I think they launched their direct-to-consumer site for the very first time in October of this, uh, this last fall. And they've been fantastic to work with. They knew that they had super loyal followers um, and super loyal customers, but because they had only sold brick and mortar stores and on Amazon previously, they really didn't have any data on those customers. They didn't even have much of a, an email opt-in list to be able to communicate with them. Um, and their, their website previously was really just for B2B. Um, so it was those wholesalers purchasing the product to stock their shelves. So in working with them, we are actually running you know, paid search, paid social, SEO, and email marketing for them, and they're doing really, really well. Um, we're working together on promotions even, and even working with them um, from a contact center perspective and follow-up emails after a purchase is made. So really trying to, to address the entire customer experience there. Um, but they've been really fun to work with. They have beautiful imagery. So again, we're working on a lot of the more visual um, networks, so Pinterest even, um, Instagram, those are working really well for them. And also leveraging a lot of great integrations around some of the other partners that we work with, like Yapo, bringing in customer reviews, some UGC, and definitely wanting to make sure that we're getting the right messaging in front of people at the right time. So um, using Clavio uh, for their their email provider has been really, really helpful. It's, it's allowed them to not only have really custom and great triggered emails, but also allows with dynamic card abandonment. Um, we're able to use a lot of the great purchase data from their e-commerce site and help to target those users in social with particular messaging or particular emails. It's been really fun and in just a few months, I mean, we're seeing great, great performance and uh, can't even imagine what it's going to be like next holiday season when we have a year under our belts. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned yesterday when we talked that they had launched in October, which yeah. is normally like, so you were like such a, <laughs> yeah, like he's like, can you just explain like why October sure. isn't like necessarily <laughs> the greatest time yeah, to launch? Absolutely. So 
most advertisers know that the holiday season is just flooded with advertising, flooded with emails, not even advertisers, consumers know, like your email box is never stopping. And in addition to being kind of bombarded with messages from all sorts of brands, the cost for advertising is also a lot more expensive across like your Google and um, Facebook networks because there's so many more advertisers competing. Um, so it was definitely a bit of a concern launching brand new direct to consumer um, in October, which is like right at the start of the busiest time of year. So we figured if we could have a really good Q4 at launch, then the following year would be even better. So definitely not the easiest, but we made it work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and would you say that the lack of customer data that, that they have was the biggest reason why they went D to C or were there other reasons around that? So I think that was the number one, um, the number one area that they really voiced to us as being a huge opportunity. For example, one of their top performing SKUs in or for sale on Amazon. Um, we were talking a little bit yesterday around when you go to Amazon, um, you're really going there to purchase a specific item. So you're not going there looking around and shopping. So for them to have the majority of their sales attributed to one SKU, one of their questions was like, do these customers even know that we carry other lines and other products? Um, so not being able to put that right in front of them on Amazon, that's a question. You know, what's the repeat purchase rate? How, what's the loyalty of these customers? They really have no idea because they don't have access to that data. They don't have those customers' email addresses so they can't have that direct engagement and direct you know, follow-up emails after purchase, thanking them for their first purchase, requesting feedback, things like that. So think data and having that direct conversation with their customer is probably one of the bigger reasons that they move or brought on the direct-to-consumer piece. Do they have any next big phases or initiatives they want to take with their marketing? So this first few months has really been about getting a baseline together, mm -hmm. um, getting primarily a baseline around even just getting a opt-in list together. Um, so Michelle Designworks had a lot of email addresses that had been collected on their B2B site. So you could click on there and say, hey, I'm a consumer. I know I can't order here, but I'm interested in hearing uh, what you guys have to say. But they hadn't really promoted that because they didn't really have anything to say mm -hmm. yet to those consumers. Um, so that was a relatively small email list. And they really wanted to work on seeing um, how quickly they could grow their list, making sure that it was still very targeted and the right customers that they're bringing in. Um, we would never, ever, ever recommend like purchasing lists or anything like that. Um, so they wanted to do it right and make sure it stayed nice and clean and fresh. Um, so really getting that that baseline together was the first area they wanted to hit. Um, so in the future, Michelle Designworks would love to be able to start integrating more user-generated content into their emails, getting more uh, reviews and feedback into a lot of um, their communications. And also they have a lot of different um, collections. That's how they kind of break up the different fragrances of their products. and really being able to test out new fragrances and see if there's certain ones that maybe have been kind of retired and maybe they should be brought back on the direct-to-consumer site 
to test out if it makes sense to bring that back full time. Um, and even seeing and understanding what some of the products that are frequently purchased together are is a really cool example um, and seeing how from a marketing perspective it may make sense to do some cross-selling and just some hey you may love kind of emails and um, also on the product pages as well so again this is all about just really getting a good baseline for the first few months and um, from there we'll be able to take a lot of big steps you had mentioned um, Pinterest before. I know mm. that's kind of a newer thing for them. Well, obviously it's all new, <laughs> but like for us yeah. too, um, like how do you see like not just them, but more brands using Pinterest in the future? Yeah. So Pinterest is a really interesting social platform in that I think there's particular categories that do really well or categories of brands that do really well. Um, it's another one where it's extremely visual. So um, the fact that the products Michelle Designworks carries, the packaging is absolutely beautiful. Everything is very artfully done um, and they have a lot of um, kind of a tie to gift giving. So gifts, I feel like anything in the food space, anything really visual for Pinterest works really well. Mm -hmm. And it's a great platform in that it's kind of a hybrid between, in my opinion, um, brand building and the actual performance piece in driving to the e-commerce site. Um, you really get that visual aspect, but then you have the ability to tag products in your ads, for example, mm -hmm. and drive someone directly to the product page on off of Pinterest, which is really helpful. So in your, you're able to set a lot of the same types of targeting and conversion events and things that you would in Facebook or Instagram. So you definitely have a lot of control, but it's it's used a lot differently than the other social networks. So it's another great testing and learning experience, but we're really excited to see how it's performing. Awesome. What are some of the questions brands should be asking when they're evaluating e-commerce marketing agencies? Um, so I think there's not a ton of them out there, which already narrows it down a little bit for you, but really making sure that A, they are familiar with working with the e-commerce platform you're on um, because product data, for example, like we talked about earlier for those product feeds, they need to be familiar with how to leverage the output of the platform to make sure that you have really robust product feeds. And also some simple questions around the types of KPIs they typically manage to will help you to validate that they do in fact really follow that ROAS um, type KPI management um, and looking at the actual conversion rates versus just engagement and impressions. Um, but most importantly, really having reporting and analytics that is not just available to them, but available to you. One of the things that we really pride ourselves in at Blue Acorn ICI for our marketing clients is that they have real-time analytics and marketing dashboards that they can access at any given time, which will show them full transparency up until the prior day of the spend that they've spent in each channel, how it's performing, um, what the revenues associated with that is, so it makes for a very easy way to know exactly what's going on and uh, being very transparent with your client is actually a really, really good thing because uh, having a second set of eyes on there is helpful and there's never any surprises. So just making sure that you really 
have that direct line of insight and uh, you're not getting reports once a month just kind of thrown over to you. Someone who's really gonna talk you through what those metrics mean and how they're gonna optimize to them in the future. So not only do they have access to these reports anytime, any day, but then they also get a monthly report from you where you actually walk through and yep, talk through everything. Exactly, yeah. Awesome. And also like one other thing that's not to like shameless plug here, but about Blue Corona <laughs> Sky is that your team sits in the same building as our store operations, yep. um, the technical team. Fulfillment um, yeah, exactly. and the contact center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's actually one of, probably one of my favorite things about working at Blue Acorn ICI is that we're definitely not in just like in a silo for marketing. And it makes it really helpful when you have your merchandising and store ops team and your contact center team in the same place because um, we work a lot on promotions together. So making sure um, the messaging on the site is matching the messaging in the marketing communications, making sure the warehouse and customer service is aware that there's gonna be a big promotion, for example, and they're staffing accordingly. And even something which may seem really simple but can be have a huge impact on on your actual uh, margin and performance of your marketing is products that may go out of stock. If we have products that are out of stock on the site, we don't want to be spending a bunch of money promoting those products. Um, we'd rather leverage that that budget and direct them towards something else, or um, especially if the product's not coming back in stock. And that A, is not a good use of the client's funds, but B, mm-hmm. it's not promoting a great customer experience to drive someone to a landing page with a product out of stock. So having everyone kind of together makes it so much easier and um and it helps with the consistency too. And I think it's just a much more efficient way to um, run your marketing and really e-commerce, uh, direct-to-consumer e-commerce as a whole. Great. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to mention? Um, not really. We had a great time, Shannon. Thank you so much. Um, if anyone would like more information, obviously feel free to check out our website, blueacornici.com. And you can also connect directly with me on LinkedIn or follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is ppc underscore ninja, and that's tribute to my pay-per-click days. Great. Thanks, Lindsay, for joining us. Uh, For those of you listening, you can find any of our episodes pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, so Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And like Lindsay said, feel free to check out our website, blueacornici.com, for more information. Until next time.